When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast has a Patreon page, and several wonderful people have signed up to support this endeavor. They are Sean Poole, Dave and Jennifer Evers, Jeff Omar, my John Hyatt sister Sylvan, Liz Brunson, Yetta, Steve Vansack, Randy Brown, Rob Barnett, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, Chris Bloom, Dale Hosack, Music Talks Terry Smith, and Mary Thomas. I appreciate all the love and support from these wonderful friends. If you want to support the podcast and get unedited episodes, often in video, Occasional posts from me about a wide range of subjects. A thank you on at least one episode a month. Plus a handwritten thank you note that includes set listing through stickers. Then please go to patreon.com set lusting Bruce. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash set and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Now, on with the show. August of 75, this amazing sound just came out of the radio. And it was suddenly, it was everywhere. And I had never heard of Bruce before then, before Born to Run came out. And all of a sudden, it was everywhere. And for the first time you hear that song as a teenager, even, you got to pay attention. And, yeah. and it's, oh, went down to the record store. I think at that point, I think at that point, I was shopping at Peaches Record Store in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Where you would go and you would hang out all day and just thumbed through the racks of albums and picked up Born to Run and listened to it straight through. And it's, wow, that's a tough album to beat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. I've got my new friend, Richard Harrison, here. We are recording just a few days after we got the word that the tour is postponed for the rest of the year. I had tickets for Columbus. I had tickets for Phoenix. And I am really glad that Bruce is getting the help and health and healing that he needs. But I was a little disappointed. Any thoughts on that, Richard? As we all are, when you invited me to join you, I said, yeah. let's put the date off a little bit because I got tickets for Albany. We were yeah. up to Albany. And there goes that plan. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but we'll get the rescheduled date and we'll put it on the calendar and... What do you do? Look, Bruce is a few years older than me, maybe more than a few. You got to take care of yourself and everybody wants him to get well and he'll be back. Uh, yeah. But it's disappointing. It's disruptive. You make plans. You're looking forward to it. Can I tell you a great story about why I had tickets for all? Sure, of please. I'd love it. We, as uh, the tour opened here in Tampa. Yeah. We went to opening night. At a great time. My girlfriend, I would say, was a casual Bruce fan. Uh, had a great time. 
me being the guy I am, I also managed to get us tickets for the Orlando show five nights later. So we went to the Orlando show and we're driving back the next day. And my lovely girlfriend looks over as I'm driving and says, I know he's getting older and I hear all this talk about whether this might be the last tour. And I really had a lot of fun and it's a great show. And if you want to go to another show, I would go with you. <laughs> I think it took me all of 30 minutes when we got home to get on the computer and book Albany. Yeah. My wife is a casual fan. I think she, we went to our first one when he was here in Dallas back in 2002 and she didn't particularly care for it because it was the rising tour. She didn't know any of the songs. She was just okay. And then in 2012, we went up to Cleveland to see him. We It was our Bruce and Bourbon tour. We also did the Kentucky Bourbon Trail on the way up there and the way down. And she really loves Wrecking Ball as an album. She enjoyed it more. And then we saw him later that year in Louisville. And she went to she went to two shows with me on this. She went to Dallas and she went to Houston. And she was looking forward to it. We ended up having tickets for Tulsa, but I got COVID and couldn't go. She liked the tour. She was really happy with it. She goes, I know that there's a little bit of noise. She goes, and I was a little surprised that the set list didn't change. That was one of the reasons why I was willing to go to more than one show. But she goes, but that's a pretty good show. I'd go see that again anytime. Yeah, I, I guess we should probably talk about the set list because a lot of yeah. people seem unhappy about it. And I said, we saw the show twice in, in the space of five nights and it was basically the same show. There might've been one song different between yeah. Tampa and Orlando, but, but so what? This is not complicated for me. Any night with live Springsteen is better than any night without. Yeah, the old joke is even a bad day in the ballpark is better than a good day in the office. Though I will tell you, a day game in July at the old bar park in Arlington that had no roof, it was close. It was close. It was like 101. You're like, okay, maybe it'd be better to be in the office with some air conditioning. But yeah, I, I, I'm very happy. Yeah, and I want to talk about the opening night in Tampa because you guys got some songs that as the tour changed, we didn't get. So I want to talk about that, but let's go back to the beginning. First off, Richard, I didn't give you an official chance to tell us a little about yourself. Oh, talk about myself, you say. Okay. Please. Please. I'm a lawyer here in Tampa. Been lawyering for about 36 years. So my basically my whole adult life, I've lived in Tampa. But I was born in Astoria, New York in 1960. My mom was Italian. My dad was Irish. So our household was actually a lot like Bruce's household with a lot of that same dynamic. Grew up in New York till I was about eight or nine years old and then family relocated to South Florida. And after that, I just stayed. Growing up, I remember the earliest music I remember growing up was playing my mother's old 45s of the old Italian folk singers. Yeah. Um, and she had boxes and boxes of them. And of course, a lot of Sinatra, a lot of Tony Bennett was a neighbor who grew up in our neighborhood. And, and celebrities were very different then. Celebrity itself was very different then. People didn't walk around with an entourage. They were just normal people. And uh, yeah, so... It's interesting, the stuff you remember when you start talking about kind of the earliest, what's the earliest music you remember hearing? And it was that. Like every good son of an Italian mother, I took accordion lessons for about six or seven years. Wow, that's a long time, Richard. Yes, way past, I will say, way past the point at which it should have been apparent to everyone that I have no musical talent. <laughs> way past it. And so I eventually gave up on that. My mother, God bless her, I was a very small, scrawny kid. And you start out with a kid's version of an accordion, which is a very compact thing. And But it's got fewer buttons, fewer keys. It's shrunk down. I guess I was good enough that I progressed past the kid's version. And so my instructor wanted me to have 
a full-size accordion, which the first time I put on a full-size accordion, it practically toppled me over because I could hold it up. So my mother, my parents were, we were very working class folks. We were not wealthy by any means. Somehow my mother, and I still don't know how she ever pulled it off, managed to send to Italy for a custom-made mid-size accordion. Wow. Um, which well, I know had to be an, an enormous investment for them of money they probably could have done a lot of other things with. And sadly, it did not help my playing. So does the wish have a special place in your heart with her working for that accordion? Yeah. And funny when you hear Bruce sing about his mother and working at the title company, my mom was uh, a stay-at-home mom for much of my youth. But also I remember while we were in New York, she worked, she was a bank teller, worked in a bank. And I remember again, back then, you got dressed up to go to work. The ladies got dressed yeah. up to go to work. And even folks that didn't necessarily have a lot of money, you got dressed up to go to work. That was part of who you were, part of your, your image, your self-respect. And it was what was expected. So yeah, that song, hearing Bruce talk about his mom resonates with me. Hearing Bruce talk about his dad resonates with me. I got to say, my, my father was not an alcoholic. He was not abusive ever. But some of the struggles that Bruce talks about in communicating with his father, I share that and live through that. And yeah, when we went to see him on Broadway, it was like, oh my God, I was in tears. It was like therapy. Richard, I've told this story before, but I was listening to The Wish and I was just crying. And so I, I realized that I still had, my mom was still here, right? So I called her and I was trying to explain to her about this song and about this. And it was like, what, Jesse Wayne? I don't understand. And I just end up giving up and just <laughs> talking to her. My father had a few of the traits. He struggled with alcoholism, though most of my life, I remember he was, if not officially in recovery, not someone who did. But there was a joke and we with a lot of affection. And I mentioned this at his funeral that you would call him and you'd look at the end like, oh, four minutes. Hmm. Dad was in a talkative mood. <laughs> he loved you calling. He right. loved the idea that you called him and that you wanted to check on him. But then that was enough. Right? Are you okay? Yes, I'm good. I think that generation of men yeah. were not raised to be big talkers and big sharers of feelings. Uh, you, you went to work. You earned a living. You supported your family. I remember, I don't ever remember my, my father not having two jobs. And I remember times when he had three jobs because that's what you did. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yeah. And my my father, career military, I'm a year older than you. I was born in 59. So we are ex- we are at that same generation where I absolutely get that. Do you, can you remember when you first heard Bruce and what about his music spoke to you? I do remember, and I'm guessing you've heard this answer before. It was August of 1975. So I was, by that point, a 14-year-old guy growing up in South Florida. And let's just say... My group of friends at that time, we were all doing things that teenagers did in the 70s in South Florida, and we'll just leave it at that. Fair Uh, enough. But August of 75, this amazing sound just came out of the radio, and it was suddenly it was everywhere. And I had never heard of Bruce before then, before Born to Run came out, and all of a sudden it was everywhere. And the first time you hear that song as a teenager even you got to pay attention and and it's oh went down to the record store i think at that point i think at that point i was shopping at peaches record store in fort lauderdale okay where you would go and you would hang out all day and just thumb through the racks of albums and picked up born to run and listened to it straight through and it's wow that's a tough album to beat. Richard, I just recently sent an email to a TV critic asking him, because he was talking about how much he loved the TV series on Hulu, Reservation Dogs. And he said that it's, he said what strikes him is he loves things that are unique yet universal. He says, this is a unique series. It is written by Native Americans. It's filmed in in Oklahoma, a reservation in Oklahoma, Native American cast, Native American creative team, yet their themes are universal. And I watched the first two or three episodes and I sent back the letter saying, it doesn't matter if you're a town in Southern Florida, small town in Louisiana, town in New Jersey or a reservation in Oklahoma. We got to get out while we're young. (laughs) That we need that feeling of I've got to get out of here. And that is universal. I think back of that, the scene Blinded by the Light, where the dad at the end says, I think this guy is Pakistanian because the themes are so universal. Yeah, it's really true. And that's, if that weren't true, we wouldn't be listening to Bruce for 50 years and still going to sold out shows all over the world. Yeah. So there's got to be something there that affects people on a very basic, but very common level. Yes. Do, so I always like to preface, you've already talked about going to a couple of shows, but the amount of shows you have seen is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I've been lucky enough, Richard, to have people on the show that have never seen him live. And then I've had people who are, because they went to high school and college in the 70s, have seen him hundreds of times. But do you count how many shows you've gone to? I don't count. I'm not in the hundreds. I think I'm up to nine or 10. Um, Okay. But we, I've always enjoyed live music. I've, Lost another one of my heroes recently when Jimmy Buffett passed. And I still have the first concert ticket that I ever saw Buffett was my first concert ever in Miami. And the ticket price was $6.50. <laughs> hey, 
I, we've, we are reaching the age where we are starting to lose our musical heroes, Tom Petty and Prince and John Prine. And, but I, when I heard that we had lost Buffett, I actually did a little mini editorial that we had tickets when Linda was pregnant, 1989, she was sick. She couldn't go. And we never took time to go see him again. We always, it's a bad weekend. Or, and as I said, we thought there'd be always be another summer. There'd always be another tour. And now then I won't get that chance. And I, I was really sad because it seems someone who, and there is a great interview where he talks about he makes breakfast the way Bruce makes breakfast. And he says, we're all the same. We're just pancake makers. He just seemed to get it and to not only love life, but love making music, yeah. right? He just made music because I love making it. Yeah, I saw him. We saw him here in Tampa last year. And I don't count Buffett shows either, but yeah. the number's higher. <laughs> And came away from that show. It was a great show, right? You go, you have fun. Came away. I felt, I was a little bit disappointed. I felt, yeah, the show is a little short. Maybe that's just because I've seen it so many times, whatever. Yeah. And of course, what we didn't know at the time was, was that he knew he was dying. And imagine knowing that and still getting up and doing what you love and entertaining other people. It, it brings a little bit of tear to my eye right? That he knew that and kept it private and was still out there. There's been a lot of noise about how good those last three shows and the Met Met Life Stadium was for Bruce on this tour. And they go and now retroactively knowing that he was sick enough. Wow. What, how much was he pushing through that to give us this last gift till 2024? Yeah, it's and you never know what somebody's dealing with, even when they're somebody famous. And yeah. if I can do what I love doing up until the last minute, then that'd be wonderful. Yeah, it really would be. So I want to get to Tampa, but before that, are there other shows that stand out from you? You obviously mentioned Broadway that I think everyone who was lucky enough to go, I was lucky enough to get a ticket just it was a special night, but any other shows that you want to share a story about? You know, I saw, we'll talk about Tampa 2012 in a bit. And uh, the the rising tour of course was spectacular for lots of different and unique reasons. Musically, it's a spectacular collection of work, but it's something more than that. I think it's always going to be recognized as something more than that. I've been listening to music for as long as I can remember, and I cannot think off the top of my head of any album that you would look at and say was more historically compelling at the moment it came out. It, the story is that someone said, we need you, Bruce, and we really did. And especially that when you realize some of those songs were not directly inspired by the 9-11 tragedy. Yeah, it, it is. That was my first live show. And it was, uh, I casually knew The Rising. I was a casual fan. And in fact, someone just on Twitter said, hey, if you could go back and see any show anytime, And I said, there's a lot I'd love to see, but I'd love to go back to that first one that's the rising with these experienced years, right? With the idea of, oh man, now knowing what all that's going to go to hear that number. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about Tampa's had some good shows over the years. Tampa has uh, been blessed. Bruce has a little bit of a connection with Tampa through his equestrian daughter. Okay. For many years, Tampa hosted one of the Olympic qualifying events. I did not realize that. Yes. And he would visit periodically. So there's a little bit of a connection. 
And it seems, at least for the last several U.S. tours, we're always on the front leg. We're always on the front end. This year, we got really lucky, got to, got to open the tour, which itself was spectacular. Really was so. Yeah, it's it's always nice when he comes through town, and uh, we always seem to get a really good show. Yeah, and one of the things that I bought this on the Nugs because he started changing it. He stopped drop. He dropped the other soul cover. He's not doing Burning Train, which I really was on my list to see. Though I'm not going to complain at. And Houston and Austin, he both did If I Was the Priest. So I feel like I got bingo. Like, I'm not going to complain. I got, I'm not going to be too greedy. You've talked a little bit already. Your lovely girlfriend was enjoying the show. Did, obviously, a live brew show always meets expectations. But any initial thoughts that when you go, like, this guy hasn't lost a step or anything like that you want to share? The Tampa show was... Really interesting. I think nobody really knew what to expect, right? It had been a while. Yeah. Between COVID and Broadway, it'd been a while. And Bruce's love wherever he goes, but every city wants to think they're special. We're, we're delighted that he chose here to open. And came out, opened with no surrender, which sort of surprised everybody, and just started blowing through songs and when we were about six songs in and i remember thinking to myself he hasn't said a word there's been no talk no chatter nothing uh, and i think we got to 11 or 12 songs before he ever stopped and said anything and i'm like what is going on here it was i don't know if it was a bit of nervousness after not touring for a while yeah. or if it was some kind of sense of urgency it came across as a sense of urgency i have a message that i am trying to get out at this moment in time and i don't have a lot of time to chit chat and i ended up after the show couldn't sleep of course yeah and i think it was about two in the morning after we got home i wrote a big long tweet and i said we should just call this the no time for small talk tour i remember reading that tweet that is awesome yeah, and I think that I think it's held up pretty well. It's because we all love the music, but I particularly enjoy the storytelling. Part of, a big part of my job as a trial lawyer is telling stories. I read, I write. I've always been a, a writer, and when you when somebody can tell a story, even like Broadway, when somebody can tell a story that you know they told the night before and they told it last week. And it's scripted. It's not, he's not up there making yeah. it up too every night. And still have it come across with that genuineness and make a connection with a group of several hundred strangers in the audience. That, that's really a remarkable skill. And it's not easy to do, I will tell you. I just heard, I, I think it was on the E Street Cafe podcast that one of their guests says, I miss Bruce talking to us. And that is, I remember my first couple of shows, I remember the parody of Serenet Live talking about, you can buy just the banter, right? Like you could get an album of just Bruce talking. And it has gotten less and less. And he he certainly is very emotional when he talks about, the band, the Castiles, and then ending, I'll see you in my dreams, is very emotional. But I, Chris and I did a talk. My son is Chris. And he went during the second second river tour with me to Oklahoma City. Never seen Bruce before. Not really a Bruce fan. Just going because dad wants to go. Right. And so we're in the car driving home the next morning. And he said, Bruce doesn't play. Like, you got to be ready. Because the moment a song ends, he's counting down the next one. Uh, And I go, yeah. He also said that he wishes the Cowboy receivers would catch as good as uh, Bruce's guitar techs. (laughs) 
<laughs> when he's throwing the guitar up. But I joked, and I think very few people, but a few people, if so, God, he didn't even hit three hours anymore. And I said, if you added a minute between every song, just a minute for them to, because often when you hear like the old live sets, the nugs or something, they'll be that list. So if you have just doing this, that would add a 30 or 45 minutes to the show. It just, I think you said it perfect. No time for small talk. I'm here. I've got a message to tell you. I've got rock and roll to play. I am here to give you, to uplift your spirits. One, two, three, go. Yeah, and off you go, and it's like you just got on a bullet train, and three hours later, you're exhausted and happy, and it's wonderful. There's been talk for a long time, and I hope someday they do it, to get a bullet train between Houston and Dallas, where you could just do a high speed. But yeah, I think that's exactly right. You go, no stop, let's roll, here we go. Um you did mention on Twitter that you you tweeted the set list and said, I have a story about this. So please tell me what's going what were you what was the story behind that? Oh, this is Tampa, March of twenty twelve. Okay. So this is Wrecking Ball Tour. Yes. Which I think is starting to become more and more appreciated as an album than it was maybe when it first came out. Lots of good music on there, but I was in the middle of a very long, enormous trial here in federal court in Tampa. Trial went for over a month. Wow. I had an army of lawyers working under me, engineers, consultants, experts, whatever. Because the trial was going to be that long, the judge said at the beginning, we are going to take Fridays off. So we know we're going four, five, possibly six weeks. We're not going to work on Friday. I got to give the jury a break. Great. Turns out the concert was on Thursday night. So I'm going. Problem is, I got all these people that are working for me. And when you're in trial, you're in court all day. And then you're working pretty much into the night to get ready for the next day. You can't just disappear. So what am I going to do? I can't just disappear. So I decided the way to solve my problem. And, and I thought it was brilliant at the time, was I would buy a suite at the arena, invite some of my colleagues, invite my experts who were here from out of town, and that way nobody would wonder where I was and did, was I, did I, had I abandoned the team, right? So that's what we did. So I've got a suite. I want to be a good host. This is back then. Yeah, it was already Emily Arena. So I've got a suite for, I don't know, 20 or 24 people, and we are at the opposite end of the arena, directly facing the stage. So I want to get there first. I don't want my guests to show up and, and have it empty. So I took my two daughters, who were then about 13 and 19, uh, big Bruce fans because I raised them properly. And so I went first. So my kids, we're going first. We're going to get there early. We're going to be good hosts. Show up, park the car, walk in, go to the special entrance for the suites. Some young kid scans our tickets, points us at the elevator, up we go. No problem. Get to our suite, the door's unlocked, we walk in. We're there a couple of minutes, and then the, the caterers come in, they're starting to set up and do what they do. And there's nobody there, which is what I intended. So we're just hanging out, my kids are looking around, and I start realizing that there's nobody else in the arena. And when I say nobody else, there's nobody on the floor. There's nobody in the seats. And I'm looking around at suite level, and there's nobody in any of the other suites either. Ooh. And I start thinking to myself, this is a little odd. And so then a couple of people, a couple of my guests start showing up, and they're letting people come up. First couple of guys come in, and I'm talking business. My kids are watching the activity on the stage. And all of a sudden, there's activity, and my daughter, the young daughter, who was 12 or 13 at the time, comes over and tugs on my coat, and, Daddy, Daddy, it's Bruce. Dad, well, it's not Bruce. Probably just some roadie doing something. No, it's Bruce. Nah, go away, kid. She goes back, comes back a few minutes later, Daddy, it's Bruce. 
And I'm like, it's not for, it's just, I'm, I'm talking business. She goes away, comes back a third time, tugs on my arm, says, Daddy, I know Bruce Springsteen, and that is Bruce Springsteen on stage, and you better come look. And about the time she blurts that out, I hear the opening chords of 41 shots. And you cannot mistake that. Sure. Opening. And this was not long after the Trayvon Martin incident, so he was playing 41 shots. And I realize, holy crap, it's sound check. And there's nobody in here. And I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to be in here yet. <laughs> and so they run through 41 shots. And my two girls are the only people in the stands at this point. Start clapping and woo-hooing. And Bruce looks up and waves at him and says, how's the sound up there, girls? And they're woo-hooing. And it was spectacular. And I told my daughters, I was divorced by then from their mother. I said, you go home and you tell your mother that you had a private moment with Bruce Springsteen. And it was just great. And about that time, some security guy shows up in the suite to tell us that it was all a mistake. We weren't supposed to be there. They shouldn't have let us in and on. It starts giving us a hard time. But now I got people actually showing up. And I'm like, look, man, I'm sorry. I didn't do anything wrong. You, you let us in. Yeah. And just getting a little cantankerous. I said, look, you're going to have to go probably get your boss to come talk to me about this. And in the meantime, I've been a lightning season ticket holder for about 20 years at that point. I quick called up my customer service guy and said, look, here's what's going on. By the time they got back with security, the lightning team was there and they worked it all out and nobody threw us out and we got to stay. But yeah, it was, it was crazy because it really dawned on me at that moment. Yeah, we're probably not supposed to be here. And to be fair, if they had said, I'm sorry, Mr. Harrison, it's too early. We can't let you in now. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm here well and figure out my guests. But yes, once you let me in, it this kind of, okay, let's think about this for a minute. You're going to make us all leave, get into a queue, and wait 20, 30 minutes, maybe 45, to bring us back in? That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we got it worked out, but that was a fun experience all around, other than the brief moment of trepidation, realizing probably we weren't supposed to be there at that moment. But that was fun, and then everybody ended up having a great time, of course. Richard, I, I joke about, and I'm there's some seriousness in this, there is a lot of joy watching your child do well at sports. And there is joy in watching your child graduate high school, graduate college. But there really is very few moments of pride as much when my son ended up getting hired for the same company I worked for. And people would come up and say, is Chris Jackson your son? Yes. We don't talk a lot about it, but yes. Let me tell you, he's sharp. That's a good kid. And I said, forget it. There's wonderful watching them play well at sports. But to have someone in a business say, you should be proud. That's a good moment. Having your daughter say, look, old man. I know who Bruce Springsteen is. Get your butt over here right now. Must have been a moment of pride once you got past that. Yes, it was a moment of immense pride. I remember thinking to myself, my work here is done. <laughs> and the future is in good hands. And yeah, it was spectacular. I, I was blessed to have two beautiful daughters. And I, from the minute they were born, they... Both were going to learn two very important cultural things, sports and music. And beyond that, whatever you want to do with your life is wonderful. I don't have a lot of rules. Find something you're passionate about, something you can earn a living doing. And, and hopefully it's something that makes some greater contribution to our society. Those are my rules. But I don't care. There's a lot of choices there. But yeah. it's still largely a man's world and whatever you go into, you need to be able to relate to everybody 
and you need to be able to talk about culture and society and history and art and music and sports. And I said, I got the music and sports covered. So yeah, when my 12 to 13 year old daughter stomps her little foot and says, I know who Bruce Springsteen is. Yeah, that, that, that was a proud papa moment. Yeah, I, I got to imagine that. Um, So Richard, are there songs on your wish list that you still wish you want to see live? Are there a couple songs you're still chasing? No, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people talk about that. And gee, I wish I just really want to hear this song. Yeah. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the songs I haven't heard or he hasn't played because I'd rather spend my time enjoying the songs I'm hearing. If I, if I, if you put me on the spot, which you have, so I'll give you an answer. I will say this. We talked about the rising a little few minutes ago into the fire has always had a special meaning for me growing up in New York and my grandfather, my paternal grandfather was a New York city firefighter. I never sure. met him. He died at a very young age. He actually, my dad was only about 16 when he lost his father. Mm. But we all remember the video and, and we've all seen the documentaries. And sure. to literally sit there and watch those guys running up the stairs into the fire when every human instinct tells you should be running away is spectacular. And, yeah, it really um, is, isn't it? It it's it is utterly unnatural. It has got to be the most selfless thing a person could do, and not only running up the stairs, but you know, literally having to fight your way past all the people that are terrified coming down the stairs. Makes me think of my grandfather that I never met. I have his 1930s or 40s vintage old crackled leather fire helmet hanging on my wall in my office at home. That's nice. So yeah, that's that song. Whenever that song comes on, I gotta stop what I'm doing for a minute and give it a listen. It's it's a simple song. It's not musically complicated. It tells a, an amazing story in just a couple of minutes. It's powerful, it, and it's made more powerful because we've all seen those videos and those documentaries, and we all know that story. It's not in that case. It's not just an allegory. We witnessed it. We saw it. Yeah. Because my first show was the Rising Tour, um, the only song he's played every time I've seen him, and I'm at 19 shows now, is the Rising. Because when he did, he didn't do Born to Run on the Devils and Dust when I was there. There's others he didn't do. But so far, every show I've seen is the Rising, which is not a bad song to hear every time it's not one i get tired of yeah that's wonderful all right i'm going to get to the mary question but any other thoughts or anything i should have asked you richard that i haven't that i should have no i've enjoyed chatting i think we've covered a lot of ground it's one more quick story if you got time always i I told you about my brief foray into becoming an accordion aficionado which i utterly failed at But many years later, while my parents were still alive, they both passed a few years ago, but they were visiting well in their 80s by that point. And look, it's a little hard to entertain your 80-something-year-old parents all day long in the house, right? So I had picked up, I had just picked up a DVD, and I think it was maybe one of the Wembley shows, a big, big stadium show, and I'm putting it on. And they're playing in the background and my mom's watching. And all of a sudden, the moment I look over, she's pointing, screen. And I look and I froze it. Lo and behold, there's not just one guy playing the accordion, but there was two guys on stage playing the accordion. And my mother's, see, I told you, you should have stuck with it. That's right. You could be Bruce's official accordion. I could. That could have been me. That could have been yeah, me. I could have been a contender. Oh, I love that story so much. I That is great. I'm wonderful. I, I do love when Charlie pulls out the accordion and when they play, when they had the Western Stars film, they right. did that. And then one of my favorite 
that I've never seen live is I went to McNeese State University in Louisiana and Jolie Blanc is their fight song. So anytime he covers Jolie Blanc, being from Louisiana, I feel this. Oh, yeah. So that would be pretty cool. That's great. Yeah, I I was a little surprised Bruce didn't do a Buffett song, but I think that's just not what the tour is. But yeah. I'm hoping if they do something, as they often do in a tribute, a special to raise money, that I hope Bruce does something. I'd really love to hear do. I'd love to hear the band do Cheeseburger in Paradise. I would love to hear Bruce do Come Monday. Yeah, yeah. I was debating with others, and, and it might have been on Twitter. You might have yeah. seen it. Uh, we lost Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. And he's got all these Canadian dates that were coming up that now aren't. Yeah. And I even posted, okay, you cannot go to Canada in the wake of Gordon Lightfoot passing and not say something. Yeah, boy. I, In fact, boy, if I would have, and we could get in a whole nother discussion I think Bruce needs a better PR group sometimes <laughs> lately. Uh, but if I was them, I'd go, Bruce, if it hadn't been canceled, we've got to figure out a Gordon Lightfoot song. Because remember when he was in Australia a few years ago, he opened with a different Australian cover song right. every show. Right. So yeah, it would be like, we need to do a Gordon Lightfoot, maybe a Tragically Hip song. That'd be nice. You know, could you imagine Bruce doing Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald? Oh, that would be awesome. All of Canada would go insane, number one. Yes. As would I. Yeah. Can't even imagine. My first musical obsession, Richard, was Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. I picked up a Endless Summer 8-track and just fell in love with it. And uh, a few years ago, Brian was in New Jersey, and Bruce joined him on stage for, like, fun or one other song. And I have said this only halfway kidding. If I had been in that auditorium and seen Bruce and Brian on stage together, forget watching my kid get married, watch having a grandson, that might have been the peak moment of my life. So I absolutely get you. Um, all right. This has been so much fun. I, I, I feel like we could talk for another two hours, but I'm going to let you go. I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher who's now retired, but when he was teaching, he would give the lyrics to Thunder Road to all his students. He did an honors English class, and they would break apart this poem, uh, treating as a poem, and then would come through at the end of the session and would ask the class, does Mary get in the car? So Richard, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? It does not. Okay. Would you like to know why? I absolutely would want to know why. Because if Mary got in the car, we'd have a completely different song. If Mary gets in the car, the song is about the adventure with Mary in the car. It's not okay. about the struggle to get her in the car. Ah, I like that. I like that. That's a good answer. Very nice. All right. You mentioned you're on Twitter a couple of times. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? I am on Twitter. I am R.A. Harrison, P.A. on Twitter, now X. Yes. So, yeah, any of your, your guests, your colleagues, your fans want to reach out and chat anytime. And uh, I've had a great time talking to you. Happy to come back anytime and talk some more. That sounds great. We're going to have to make that happen. Maybe after the next leg of tours, we'll have you back yeah, on well, and talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for next week when supposedly we're getting new dates. Yes, absolutely. I am, too. All right. Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for listening as always. I appreciate it. Let's end with, if we open up our hearts, love won't forsake us. Just let the music take us and carry us home. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at setlustingbruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. 
I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.